Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And Jen, you've cheered me up today. I started out in a really awful mood, and now I'm feeling slightly better. I'm so glad. Well, Happy New Year, Kim France. <laughs> happy New Year to you. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any New Year's intentions, I will call them? Well, I was going to track what our New Year's um, intentions were last year, but then I, I forgot, and I didn't do it. <laughs> it didn't matter. But I, before we recorded this episode, my big one was, um, I want to get in shape this year. Like I really want to get not in shape, like whatever that means. I want to get strong. I want to start lifting some weights because I was trying to lift something the other day and I was like, I can't fucking lift my body. I'm not as strong as I was. Oh yeah. I like, cause we have those, whatever those six gallon jugs of water. And I was trying to lift one. I used to be able to, cause I was a waitress for years. I could lift all the time. Right. I could not, I had a, I really struggled to pick it up. And I, um, I'm going to start weightlifting. So that was like my new year's resolution or, you know, intention. But then after we did this episode with Lori, I was like, which by the way, today, everyone, we have uh, Lori Leibovich, uh, the, the editor of the well section of the New York times, my, that's our guest. My intention this year is to be in better touch with people, to see more people, to be less lonely. Yeah. That's a good one. That's what I think it is. I really think that like, that's, that's the thing that I'm not doing enough of. Yeah, no, that's a good one. How about you? I need to get in shape. <laughs> I mean, do you occasionally wonder, like, what if I had to fight for my life? I do. I do. <laughs> I do, actually. Or what if I had to run for my life? Yes, yes. If I had to run for my life, it would be all over. Or like I read I read something once, like you should be able to pick up your largest child. Like you should always be able to, like what if there was an emergency and you had to lift your largest child? And I was like, fuck, we'd all die. Like I can't do <laughs> anything. I, I just... I am unwilling to just have this muscle atrophy, like just continue down the lane. Like I, I just can't, I'm afraid it's going to just, it's going to get worse and I have to do something about it. And I, I don't like not being strong. 
No, I don't either. And I don't like being slow. I want to read you a poem because we've been, because we've been talking about poetry a little bit, right. In a recent episode. Yes. And then somebody posted this on my social media yesterday. Okay. It's by Lucille Clifton. Oh, okay. And it's called to my last period. Oh, okay. Go. Well, girl, goodbye. After 38 years, 38 years, and you never arrived splendid in your red dress without trouble for me somewhere, somehow. Now it is done. And I feel just like the grandmothers who, after the hussy has gone, sit holding her photograph and sighing, wasn't she beautiful? Wasn't she beautiful? Oh, I know. Oh, God. I, uh, it really is a... There is a, I mean, there's a real grief in the, in letting go. I realized the other day, I'm going to have to, in order to get through this, 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 the rest of my life, (laughs) I'm going to have to let go of vanity. Like it has to be released. It has to be not like vanity. Like I don't brush my hair, but it has to be, I have to have a different relationship with the way I look. There's just, there's just, I can't, I can't continue. I can't keep looking at my face every day and being like, whoa, what happened to my eyelid? I can't keep Hmm. freaking the fuck out about it. I have to let go and, and just kind of look at it like as a, as like a thing I used to have. And it was nice. The way I think about it, I look at pictures of myself when I was young and pretty and I'm like, I was a fucking idiot. That's true. I was just such an idiot. I did and said such stupid things all the time. (laughs) I know. I know. I did too. I did the worst things. And I was an asshole. I was also kind of an asshole. Yes, I was an asshole. And I also allowed myself to be treated poorly by assholes. Like again and again and again. Like if I wasn't self-flagellating, somebody else was doing the flagellating. Like it was just (laughs) fucking... It was a big circle jerk of flagellation. Uh, flagellation and just like, yeah, just like, you know, poor, you know, maladaptive uh, behavior. Um, uh, yeah, so that's true. And, and it, I think that that's going to be part of this year for me, too, because I could get a lot of work done now. Like, I, there's a lot of work I could get done. There's a lot of fillers I could get. There's like some cutting I could see could happen. Yeah. And it's like, we've talked about it a million times. When does it end? Because you're not fixing the core thing. That's the danger. And we've all seen people who, who haven't been able to like say, okay, now I'm done. Well, because it doesn't solve, it's the Velma Monroe thing. It doesn't solve the core thing that you're not okay with yourself. And I would like to get more okay with myself this year. I think that's, I think I have, I would say, I think I have gotten a little bit more okay with myself in the way, you know, my body really changed. I like always gained weight very proportionally. Yes. You know, and now I've got this like big fucking stomach and I've been losing some weight, but I've still got this big fucking stomach and just kind of promising myself not to stare at myself in profile in my underwear. (laughs) You know, and kind of poke it and like prod it and like then, you know, tighten it and see what liposuction might do. Yeah. 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 That, that too, that, that like, or doing like the lift on the face, like, oh, what would it be like if I did this? Yeah. But I also feel like I just, I just can't keep being like on watch. I feel like every day when I, when I pass a mirror, if I'm like, get out of the shower, I'm just like, I'm watching like, what the fuck is that? What's going on there? And I'm, I'm fatigued by it. And it's such a waste of my energy. Like I'm tired of it. 
it, it has to, that has to end. And that is something that I would really like to work on this year. And I would like us to bring on guests to help us work on that this year, you know, to really sort yep. of reset some of this thinking because it's exhausting and it's a, it's a waste of time. And as we keep talking about with each other and with our guests, like, you know, time is not, is not endless. <laughs> time is so not endless. You know, that's been, um, that's been on my mind a lot. Yeah. That's been on my mind a lot. You yeah. know, just how, you know, I turned 59 in a few months and then after that I turned 60. I know. I know. You know, there are things a 60-year-old woman needs to be doing for herself that I'm not doing for myself. And I only have like a year and a few months to like get it together. Okay. What are they, what do you think? Is it, is it taking B12? What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it is exercise. I think that's big. I think Mm -hmm. paying attention to how I eat. I don't think I'm, you know, I, I always associate the age 60 for women with like eating small quantities of steamed food. Yes, I know. I know. You do make it very extreme, but continue. <laughs> I don't think it has to be that bad. I know I always go to the small quantities of steamed food, but that is, you know, when I think about women I've worked with who were about the age that I am now, like if I was at lunch with them, it was like the string beans and I'll have the f- grilled fish. Yes, it's the grilled fish. But you know, you can learn to love the grilled fish. I had grilled chicken yesterday when I went out to lunch. It was delicious. Yeah. And also like I now understand. Here's another thing. It's so gross. All the things that I understand now, like I understand why people eat early. I need to <laughs> yes. I need to eat early because I can't my body's like, please don't make me digest at night. Please don't make yeah. me I just start digesting at like 7 30 or 8 p.m. I'm gonna make you suffer at like 1130. If you do that, like right. my, I function a lot. I function a lot better if I eat a little bit earlier, but God damn it. I mean, like obviously rules are made to be broken. And sometimes you can like you, sometimes you just sort of make the calculation. Like I'm not doing that tonight, but in general, like sticking to a, a kind of like, I don't know, sticking to some rules that make you feel good does not seem like the worst thing at this point. No, like I think, you know, I never do this, but the other night I ordered like cookies at like 10 o'clock at night. Okay. Okay. All right. I bet that wasn't, that didn't feel great in the morning. Didn't feel great in the morning. Oh, sugar hangover. Oh, almost worse than alcohol at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I've pretty much cut out sugar except for my sugar in my morning coffee. I have pretty successfully cut out sugar and you don't miss it if you don't eat it. No, you don't, you don't, you don't. And it it. gets a little gross too, kind of even like things get very sweet. Yeah, no, I'm much saltier. I'm, I'm much more of a salty, but you know, I went out and had a couple of um, drinks with friends the other night and I don't know. I came home. I was kind of drunk. I was like, Oh, I'm drunk. Like, this isn't great. Like it's just it like, can be so embarrassing. Yes, yes, it really is. It really is. So I don't know. New year, we're gonna be we're gonna be in shape. This is so <laughs> funny. All right. So I'm we're gonna be self-accepting, about- very self-accepting. Self-accepting, a lot of compassion and gen- self-compassion, a lot of gentleness. Um, we're gonna be in shape. We're emotionally and physically in shape. We're going to um be basically sober. <laughs> <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically kind of sober most of the time. And, um, I don't know. I also, in this year, I would like to, um, have more boundaries around work. I think that would be an, that's an excellent suggestion for you yes. to you. 
Yes, I think so too. I think so too. And, um, and see, see my friends more, like really actively see my people more. Yeah, it's so important. And I think it, I obviously think it's even more important after this conversation with Lori. Yeah, that was that was such a good conversation. So anyway, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. And let's let's get into it. Our guest today is Lori Leibovich, who is the editor of the New York Times Well section. Lori's a longtime health and lifestyle journalist who joined the Times in 2021, following a series of high-level editorial jobs at Time Inc., The Huffington Post, and The Skim. Welcome, Lori. Hi. Hi, Jen and Kim. I'm so happy to be here. We are so pleased you're here. We're so happy to have you. And we had just gotten on and we were like, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. And you described exactly how I feel every day of my life at almost 50. Um, so I just I just figured we should just steer into that. How are you <laughs> doing? I think we're all around the same age. How are you feeling to be this weird age? I mean, can I swear? I forgot. No. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, this age is really fucking complicated. I have two teenagers. I am 51. And... Um, the last couple of years have like totally kicked my ass. Physically, emotionally, all of it? I think all of it. I mean, I think some of us, you know, who are coming through these like perimenopausal years at the same time as the pandemic hit mm -hmm. is like a particularly thorny enterprise, like to be, to, you know, and I think to be honest, you guys, I think one of the things that's made it a little bit easier is having places like this where people are having conversations about it. And podcasts in general, I think, are almost, you know, are really, really on the forefront of having just the kind of richer conversations about what midlife means, particularly for women. But, you know, it was, it's a lot. And then there's also, you know, as we we know and we talk about a lot is the sandwich generation stuff as well as having aging parents along with, you know, everything else, which, which is really just the icing on the cake. Do you think that getting to be this age has changed you as an editor? I think getting to this age and working and having in the last several years, having most of the people who I'm managing be a lot younger than me has absolutely changed me as an editor and opened me up in a million different directions. You know, one of the things that we're covering a lot at Well, because it's so prevalent, is a lot of wellness trends that are that are really popping up on TikTok and social media um, in general, but mostly on TikTok. And I've made a concerted effort to stay off of TikTok for my own mental health and my own yeah. sense of I needed to put some parameters around my social media use. And I felt like I had um, gotten to a place with Instagram that was entirely unhealthy. And so I really made a decision to stay off TikTok. But as an editor, that's a terrible decision, especially in the mm -hmm. field that I'm in. Um, and so I really rely on my staff to bring me into the fold and to, and to educate me about what is going on there and what are the kinds of issues that are being discussed there because they get such wide, you know, play the misinformation. And there's a ton of that, but also really good information is so widely shared that we need to be on top of that in order to be, you know, running a, a, a section that reflects, you know, people of all ages and people who are consuming their health um, content all over the place. So I think it's made me, I think what's changed for me as an editor is being 
often the oldest person in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And reliant in a way, reliant on them in a way that you wouldn't have been um, in previous, like, because the way reporting is done now, the way we gather information is so much different than the way we started out. I yeah. mean, I, I can't imagine having to look at TikTok every day. I, I, I can't, I, I find it to be really overwhelming and chaotic and exhausting. And I don't, I don't like it. And upsetting, like upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. I have, you know, I have a, my daughter is 15 years old, so she lives on it. And then I have my staff that also lives on it for work and for, in their personal lives. And I guess it's, it's sort of the best. I, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm pretty adamant about staying off of it in the scrolling way. Although I really appreciate when people send me links and I have yeah. managed not to, there's certain stuff that I'm, that I need to look at or see for work, but I really, I put these really, really strict like barriers around it for myself. Yeah. And I don't just stay on, I look at the thing I need to look at and I get right off. Okay. So, so you're getting some health information from TikTok, right? In terms of trends of wellness trends, right? But how do you, what topics are readers like responding to the most in the well section? Like, how does that, how does that dictate? One thing that hasn't changed in all my years of doing this work is that there are some bread and butter topics that that seem to transcend gender and age that just like everyone is interested in and needs help with. And Mm -hmm. and the thing that comes to mind first is sleep that nobody, you know, a lot of people get poor sleep. This is something that, that is sort of a universal struggle. It's particularly a struggle as Jen, I know you've talked about before, like, and Kim too, like for, for women of our age. Um, So I can do, a sleep story and, and be, and I'm pretty, it's pretty much guaranteed there'll be a large audience for that because it's so universal. Right. I think that, you know, we, people are really interested in mental health. I mean, that was one of the critical changes that I made to the section when I got there was that I felt that there, there are a lot of places, times that are covering mental health and doing a brilliant job of it. But a lot of what we do in well is what we call, and you guys will be familiar with this term service journalism, which is what, what are the takeaways for the reader? And I felt like at that moment in January 21, when I joined that really everyone needed help. Um, No matter, again, this was something that transcended age, gender, and all of, you know, and geographic area, everyone needed help. And so I really quickly got to work and trying to both assign a reporter to just cover mental health and then have her work the beat really, really diligently to provide service journalism around everything from anxiety to depression to friendships, you know, things that were relationships that were getting fractured or coming apart as a result of of what we were going through with COVID. So those stories also do really well. So my New Year's resolution is I want to get fit. I'm like mm-hmm. thin enough, but I want to get fit. And I have no idea. And I know you're not an exercise expert, but I know you've run a lot of stories about like the six minute workout, the, uh, just 11 minutes and that's it. Do some jumping jacks. It's not that simple, but like, could you tell me like what, how much do we really need to work out to be fit? What do we need to do? Is it weights or cardio or 10,000 steps? Oh, can I add something to this? Yes. What, how, how do you start? 
if it's just been a while mm-hmm. and it's all very intimidating. We just asked you 400 questions. Right. <laughs> We're asking for a friend, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so I am not, you know, I am not a fitness expert per se, but the, the advice that and what the studies show and what, you know, all of the experts will tell you is the first thing is finding something you enjoy. If you can find something you enjoy, the probability that you'll stick with it is so much greater. I personally kind of gave up on organized fitness during the pandemic and made the decision that walking was just going to, that was going to be my fitness. And one of the reasons why I've chosen that is that I love it. And what I try to do, and this is another thing the experts will tell you, is that a couple of walks a week, I try to pair with a destination so that I have a reason to, like I have a place to go. And it could be an errand. It could be a friend's house. It could be a view that I like, or I try to enlist a person to go with me. And then walking it's like walking plus friend equals therapy. And that's really uh-huh. helpful right. to pair it with something, either, you know, a goal like a destination or something else that is hard to fit in, which for me is seeing people that I want to see. Yeah, such good advice. So that's just how I've made, you know, made do. I mean, I wish I could tell you that all of the research says that you don't really need to exercise and it doesn't really matter. I wish I could tell you that, but all of the research says exactly the opposite. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I've been focusing on both at well and also in my own life is when we were coming up and when I was in my twenties and thirties and forties, even my thinking around exercise was that it was about winnowing myself into some kind of shape that I deemed acceptable or that society felt was acceptable. And my thinking, which is largely been shaped by the culture and how it's evolved is now that exercise for me. And that means walking is a mental health imperative that it is not you know, I'm not expecting to see huge results in the sense of inches lost, pounds lost, um, sculpting, all of that stuff. It is so much more about what I feel like at the end of the day, if I've gotten the walk in or if I haven't and knowing myself at this point and knowing that I'm much better off for me and everyone around me if I've done it. Yeah. Right. So it's a different framing for me now, which is that this isn't about physical health. It's about, it's about mental health. How much walking? And how fast? And how fast? Um, I I walk at least three and a half miles a day. Wow. And sometimes I am pacing back and forth in my office on a call. And, okay. so, and, and that counts. Um, for me, getting outside and being in fresh air, even today when it's 27 degrees in New York, um, I met someone at 7.30 and we walked for 45 minutes. And... I arbitrarily have picked three and a half miles um, because it's a it's a reach, but it's also doable in New York, especially, I feel like, because I'm walking a lot. And that's what I do. Okay. Okay. Can I ask a question? Maybe it's kind of a weird question, but I was thinking today about the job you have at the Times. And I was thinking about how the Times invented the whole oat brand craze with just one article. Do you remember this? Like it was 30 oh. years ago by now, but people started, remember when people started putting oat bran in everything? Yes. It's because the times ran a piece. Mm-hmm. Like what is, I mean, you have, you're in a position at the times that is a, a decently powerful position. What is that like? How do you, how does that factor into your decisions? I mean, 
We are doing, I mean, I think we did a piece a couple months ago about chia seeds and they were emerging again on TikTok as a superfood and as something that everyone needed to add into their diet. And, you know, they're like a, one of the experts we interviewed said it was like a Brillo pad for your insides that like it cleaned everything out and they're, you know, and so someone on the team brought this as an, you know, to a pitch meeting and said, can we, you know, it seems like chia seeds are really good for you. Let's unpack it. And I would say what, what we do then where what I do is I say, this is, you know, they say it's trending on TikTok. Everyone's talking about chia seeds. And I say, great, go report it out. And probably what differentiates us is that we are reporting it at such a high level. Like it is, we are not just talking to one expert, we're talking to a million experts and we're not just, you know, taking anything at face value. And so I think that I feel okay every time we put something out there that is giving people information about their own health, because I know how much it's been vetted, that we're not just chasing trends. We are really doing like the deep reporting, even if it's something, you know, like chia seeds, it doesn't seem like it would merit a big investigation. Like we will go deep to get the answer. So wait, so what is the answer? They're really good for you. Really? Wow, wow yeah. they're so gross. Yeah, they're gross. <laughs> they are. I've tried to like them. I, I've made all the pudding. Yes. Just slimy, gross. It's really like. slimy and gross. Yeah. I mean, if you throw them in something like in secret, but like as a main, as the, the main, it's not yeah. Like, yeah. no. As the star of the show, you have to you have to back off. Um what are okay, so that leads us leads me to a question. There's what are some other foods that are surprisingly healthy? Do you, have you come across anything like that? I bet you're surprised a lot in your job. I mean, I want to say chia seeds surprised me a little bit. I didn't really believe the hype until we reported it out. Um, You know, I hate to say this, but it's like everything, you know, you know, vegetables are really good for you. Really, really good for you. We just did a piece about whole grains, um, you know, and defined what whole grains are because there's, you know, you can get a, you know, a bag of Wonder Bread and it'll be dyed brown and they'll say it's like whole grain, you know, like you really need to have some knowledge about what exactly is a whole grain. You know, all of the things that you already know, unfortunately, are the things that are really healthy for you. And the things that you know are unhealthy for you, you know, it's processed food, processed food, processed food. And some of the evil oils that things like our fries are, you know, made with also, you know, I, I want to surprise you, but I don't have, it's all. No, it, it makes sense that it would yeah. be what we know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's boring. I, I, that's the thing as I'm getting older in order to feel good, my diet has just gotten so limited. It's really just, yeah. especially in, in menopause, it's been, um, or not the perimenopause that I've been in, which has been a very intense. I really have to make a choice. Is it worth the pleasure of this food for how I'm going to suffer, you know, in, in having like the stomach problems and hot flashes and all of that. And it's a lot of adjusting and it's a lot of like bargaining with myself, um, I find, which is not something that was before. I mean, obviously we all had like, we all grew up in like diet culture and you had to right. stay thin and everything, but you know, I love eating. So it's yeah. been a real, it's been really fucked up to be like, oh, I can't have sugar anymore. I will not get a yeah. wind of sleep. You know, like that's just what's happened to me. And it's weird. It's such a bummer. Yeah. 
Are there diet and fitness trends that you just think are utter BS? Like we had a beauty editor on and she said collagen is just bullshit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the best way to answer that question is that anything, literally anything that promises something that is too... I think, I think to demand when it comes to fitness, like something that is so demanding and so hard on your body that it's going to hurt or it's not going to be sustainable because it's so hard. I kind of cross that off the list. I think I also, you know, in thinking about, you know, any, I mean, we, we know this, I think like any kind of diet that like eliminates whole categories of foods is to me very suspect. I think diets that, obviously are too restrictive are, you know, unless there is some really compelling health reason for you to, you know, you know, I mean, certainly there's exceptions to this, but I think that, you know, studies show diets don't work again and again and again. And so anything that's, that even if it's called something different, even if it's called a program or a plan or this, it's like, it still screams diet. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I I won't diet because if I diet, I become obsessed with food. Mm-hmm. If I just yeah. try to eat slightly smarter, it's going to take me longer to lose weight or whatever my goal is. But okay. I, I, I guess that would be my goal. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same, you know, I think it's, I would say the same thing about that I said about exercise, about food. And it speaks to what you just said, Jen, it's like really tuning into what makes you physically feel good is another barometer that I'm trying to use as I get older, which is again, not about categorically ignoring certain foods or, you know, it's, it's really like trying to tune in to like, how do I feel in an hour after I eat X or in the next day? And it's made it so that, and I know, Jen, you've talked about this, like, I can't really drink anymore. You know, it's, it's so upsetting. Like, I love to have a glass of wine. I was a real pleasure in my life. And I try to do it again and again and again, and it just doesn't work anymore. Well, you know, I asked my gynecologist a while ago, how many drinks a woman my age should have a week? Yeah. Her answer was zero. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird to give up. And it's because it's not just about, you know, it's a, it's a whole life. It's being in bars. It's, it's sitting with friends. It's, it's a whole thing. I mean, equally though, I would say, and this has nothing to do with your job or anything we're talking about. So I don't know why I'm saying it, but I'm going to say it because equally my tolerance for how I feel being drunk is gone. Like I can't mm-hmm. handle waking up anymore. Having said something I didn't mean, I, I no longer have, as I get older, I no longer have the tolerance to be outside of myself in a way mm-hmm. that I really sought out when I was younger, you know, that, yeah. that escape. Now I feel, I feel very disappointed in myself in a different kind of way. Like, Oh, that was, that was not authentic to who I am. So the alcohol and the the altering of my mind doesn't work for me in that same way. I think it's tricky though. I mean, it's interesting the way that this sort of biological changes that make drinking, at least for me, like a lot less tolerable at this point are coincide with aging where, you know, you feel like youth and fun and, cheer and energy is associated with being out, being in, you know, a crowded restaurant or bar. And so I think it's, what's really hard is where to find that energy in your life, because I feel like, 
I haven't found a middle ground. I haven't found a place where I feel like I'm getting nurtured and social and yes. I'm like enjoying all of the, you know, the conversation and I'm sober. <laughs> um, because a lot of times if I am in social situations now, everyone else is drinking. Yeah. And so I haven't really figured out how to navigate that and also have a good time. I mean, I think some of it is, is, um, and it's hard, but like focusing not on what you're giving up, but what you're going to gain. Which is a good night's sleep, I guess. But what about, what are you gaining in the moment? Oh, very little in the yeah. moment. I think it's, it's all about the long game when it comes to that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, it's like, well, and then it like gets into, well, what, what actually is it about that kind about a party and drinking? And it's, it's for me, part of that was like, you know, obviously it's the nurturing and the energy, but it's also the unexpected. It's the sense of discovery, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Oh, we've drunk enough now that we're going to go to this other place. What's going to happen there? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like, and I don't have that anywhere. I'm so bored and lonely. Yes. Right? I fucking hate that. No, I mean, I am, but I'm just going to be honest. Like I'm, I mean, it's not like, you know, the saddest thing in the world, but I'm bored and lonely. I am mm -hmm. fundamentally much more so than I was in my twenties and thirties. And I think that bums me out about middle age yeah. because I love, I love discovery. I'm a very yeah. curious person. I like talking to people, you know? Yeah. I think that sense of possibility is yes. another way of saying it. Yes. Is has been deadened. And that is what I think is our work is trying to figure out how to, how to engage with life in a way that looks different than what it looked like when we were younger, but still fills us. And for me, the only thing that I've found since kind of being officially in midlife is traveling still does yes. that. And mm. I, yes. you know, it's, it's weird because I'm not traveling with like food and drink top of mind. I'm, right. you know, more, it's more about like, where can I walk? Like, where can I take a great walk? So it's different, but I feel like travel is the one place in midlife where I still feel myself getting turned on. Yes. I will tell you that like, there's no greater pleasure for me. And that's why the pandemic was in some among many ways, but this was so devastating than traveling alone with a low dose edible in a new city. <laughs> I will say nothing, Please. nothing has ever brought me <laughs> yeah. more happiness yeah. because you're just, it does have all of that, that, yeah, that possibility and that, oh, there's other things out there and I'm not, everything's not so small feeling, you know? Small. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a quick break from some ads. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. I, I have a question. If, 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 like, if there's one thing that you could tell every middle-aged woman, like just whatever you're doing, do this one thing. Would it be exercise? No, it would be connecting with other women. Hmm. So this week, we're the first week of January, we're doing a challenge um, and a well challenge. And it, since this won't come out until then, I won't be spoiling it, but we are, we're doing it in conjunction with a psychiatrist at Harvard um, named Robert Waldinger, who has a book coming out in the beginning of January called The Good Life. And I'll, I don't want to give it all away, but basically there's been a study going on at Harvard Medical School for about 80 years where they have followed people of all walks of life. It began as just a study of men. It's, it's evolved over time where researchers from the medical school have interviewed people over time over the course of their lives to determine what makes a good life, who wow. are the people who thrived, who are the people who suffered and why. And after 80 years of, of data, what it all comes down to in terms of a good life, which is something I think we all know instinctually, but it's really great to have all of this data to back it up, is connections with other humans, that the people who th 
thrived, whether they had money, whether they didn't have money, whether they had good health or bad health. It was the people whose relationships were strong and who worked at keeping them strong, which that became, and that could look back at the end of their lives and said, this was a good life. And so reading this book, again, like this is stuff that makes sense to me on a very human sort of primal level. Um, seeing all the data to back it up though, was really, um, really eye-opening to me because I could tell you that my friends mean the world to me, but I can also tell you that I am busy as fuck and I do not see any of them as much as I wish I did or talk to them or even text them that like I get thrust into the swirl of my, you know, insane life. Like we all do. And at the end of the day, a lot of times those relationships can fall by the wayside. And then they turn into this, like when we do actually get together or have a conversation, it's like this outpouring, this like dumping of like everything and categorically. Okay. Tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your your parents. And it's like, and this book had this profound effect on me because you actually, one of the challenges that we're going to go through together as the group that from the, you know, whomever signs up for the challenge is to really map out how many hours have you spent with some of the most important people in your life in the past year. And it's staggering because I did this exercise and thought about, you know, among the, the most important people in my life whom I don't live with, and um, there's a friend who who is really, really important to me. And I mapped out how I looked at my calendar. I looked at my Google calendar to remind myself how often we had seen each other or talked on the phone in the last year. And it was something like maybe two hours to this person who's like among the most important people in my life. So to answer your question, Kim, the one thing that women, pretty much everyone, but women our age especially, should and can do for their health is connection, connection, connection. I mean, it's so interesting because you get lonely in middle age sometimes in a way that you are, you've never been lonely before. And I yeah. don't think it has to do with having children in the house or even, I think a partner does make a difference. But how do, you, how do people approach that loneliness? How do people who are looking for connection find that connection? Is it just as like, you know, taking classes, joining clubs, or do you have a magic answer? <laughs> No, I mean, that is certainly one of the questions. We have like a quiz that you can take at the beginning of the challenge to like a diagnostic to kind of see where you are, where you are, like, and where your relationships are and where you want them to be. And one of the questions is, do you do something regularly? So is there something on your calendar that is a regular event, whether that's a book club or a walk with a friend or a volunteer thing. And that the research showed that people who have something on their calendar regularly that involves other people are happier. Um, And so I hate, again, to tell you, because there's a huge barrier to entry to find the book club, find the thing, find the thing you like, but it actually really, really, really helps. And I don't belong to any clubs. I don't have time. I don't have a book group. I don't have time, although I've said I've wanted to do one forever. And, but I do have a regular, those walking appointments are like a regular thing on my calendar. And that really does help. So I see, you know, one friend in particular pretty much every week for a walk. So that's one thing. The other loneliness thing is we've, we've written about this a lot this year. There've been a couple of really good studies that have come out that 
that show that reaching out to people, we tend to underestimate how much it means to someone when we send them a text in the middle of the day or say, remember their birthday or, you know, something in the news reminds you of something that happened in their life and you send a note that says, I'm sure this day is really hard for you. All of that stuff means so much more to people than we think. Like we think, Mm -hmm. I don't want to bother them. They're not going to appreciate this. It's so weird. I haven't talked to them in a while. They're going to think this is so random. And it you're always wrong. It always means a ton. So I think being vulnerable, reaching out in those ways, even if it's just a short text exchange with someone you have a past with, it really does boost your sense of connection. I mean, I have to say that I was, I was um, alone during, you know, most of COVID. And um, I was amazed at how, I mean, I did some of the work too, but people really were aware that I was alone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people made an extra effort to do weekly calls with me or my brother yeah. and I ca- talk to each other every day at six o'clock, you know, Amazing. and now that now that I am, you know, we're not in that period of COVID and I'm also no longer alone. I'm kind of amazed like my brother every day at six o'clock when he had a lot of other shit to do, stopped what he was doing. And we talked to me for as long as I needed to talk to another that's human. Great. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, but it's but it it it's hard. It's still hard. I mean, I, I was able to, I mean, some people like Romelini and I, that's when we reconnected too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's tricky because you go ahead. Cause I'm beginning to make no sense. No, you're making perfect sense. But I was going to say, but well, you made that effort. Like you had the, you know, that, that, was I did the, make that the effort. A, that was courage. That was, that was like emotional yes. courage. Well, because I needed to, I needed to make you love me. <laughs> I already did love you. I was afraid you didn't love me. Um, no, you know, um, I also think there's something about, I think our marriages can get lonelier during this time. I think that there's especially, um, and I don't, I don't want to just be about people of kids, but I have found that, um, as I'm getting older and feeling like, oh, like halfway, like March to the grave, like, oh, what's going on with my fucking eyelids? Like, why can't I have a glass of wine? Like all this fucking awful shit, right? Annoying, not awful, but annoying, right? I'm also in like the most thankless and isolating part of parenting in some ways, like, because you don't sit around and like, like when you have babies, it's like a communal thing in some ways, you know, it's like, oh, let's just get the toddlers together. But like, your tweens don't necessarily like each other or you don't like their parents. So that's not a form of community in the same way it was. Plus the fucking parenting itself is very emotionally taxing and thankless. Plus if you've been in these long-term partnerships, like, I don't know, you hate them half of the time and you're doing kind of well, you know what (laughs) I mean? Like 50% sounds like a win. Yeah. It sounds like a win. Right. So, and your marriage is kind of lonely too. So I think that it is you're kind of stacked up at this age, you know, because in some ways I find the people that are thriving at these, this age are people who have freedom, like freedom to go out and fuck whoever they want, freedom to not have children. Like I find a lot of my friends who are just like, yeah, guess what? I'm getting old. I am single and I am just going to supercharge my life. I know that's not always the case, Kim, but I do see it with a lot of some people. (laughs) No, I mean, I would say that for a long time I had too much freedom. Yes. Right. You know, and that was, that was a really shitty feeling. I mean, and I shouldn't complain because it's a, it's a gift. 
but but right. freedom also you know freedom from the kind of connections i knew i didn't have i didn't have kids so yeah. i wasn't friendly with all the other parents of the toddlers right. you know i didn't have that avenue open to me yeah but i think that i think that what we're saying and to bring it all the way back is like this is the time of life to try things you haven't tried before to start mm-hmm. the fucking book club to to be the person yeah. who's reaching out who's having that who's having that courageous moment emotionally to be like hey I, I'm alone right now, or I'm feeling like this. Could we start a thing together that we do, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever the hell it is, you know, it's just, I do feel like it is, it's more effort than it used to be. And I think that it's important to understand that it's important to put the effort in. So important. I, you know, and I think there's also, I think there's sort of a reshuffling that was kind of, you know, exacerbated a little bit maybe in the pandemic of of really trying to figure out who your people are yeah. at this point in, mm-hmm. in your life because you sort of come a long way since you know it, it's just like marriages it's just like any relationships that I think we change we are different people than we were when we met a lot of our friends and I think that what is happening now is like really choosing, picking and choosing. Like we don't have, you know, we don't have all the time in the world. We also don't have, we have incredibly busy lives. And so I find myself focusing more on a few key relationships than spreading myself wide. And also just like, I mean, not to return to the theme again, but also like really taking note when I'm with various people, like, how do I feel? Yes. Yes. How is this making me feel? Do I leave feeling energized and understood and less lonely? Or do I leave and feel like, Ooh, I feel awful. I don't, I feel lonely. That's another thing about being this age is well, I always used to want everybody to like me, you know, it was like, oh, well, it must be me. It must be me. I, I left that exchange feeling bad. It's me. I should, I should change mm. who I am. Right. And now at this point, it's like, I'm kind of what I am. Right. And if mm-hmm. like the dynamic in a relationship isn't working, it's just not fucking working. Like that's just, that's okay. And also you kind of just change so much like you were saying like so ke- much chemistry so chemistry much. that worked and what you needed or what another person needed your puzzle pieces just fit together in a different way now and under yeah. understanding that too where there is the phrase yeah. um you know go where it's warm that P- beth pickens says all the time you know mm-hmm. go where it's warm go where it feels good go where you feel supported and you're right, Lori, like really nurturing those relationships and actively making them more of a part of your life instead of seeking out the places that make you feel bad, you know, and trying to make them work. Have you guys ever, I mean, I've been kind of surprised by who some of the people who've really like remained close friends or become closer friends, you know, who they are and who some of the people who fell off were, who I thought were like, you know, definitely around for the count. Mm -hmm. No, I, 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 um, I guess, I mean, my, my, my life's a little different because I, I uprooted in such a, a weird time and, um, you know, my, my people are still all in, for the most part, my, my people are still in New York. I mean, I have friends here, but it's, you know, the people who know me the best are still in New York. It's hard. It's very hard. And I have friends here for sure. And I, I, mm-hmm. I cultivate those friendships, but it's very hard to get to know somebody at this age. Like it's just so many years. It's just hard to be feel seen and known in a real intimate way, I think. Because friendships don't have 
the passion, we've talked about this before, Romelini, like the passion, your friendships are imbued with when you're in your twenties, they are kind of your close friendships do feel like love affairs sort of. Yeah. Yes. And you also had so much time. Yes. The love affair was just like one continuous day that ran into night that ran into day. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, you could, did you guys read, did you read Carlene Bauer's oh, novel? We're both reading it, right? She read it I and read I'm reading it, it now. I, I'm dead over it. It's my favorite book of last year. You loved it too. I, <laughs> I died. I hung on every fucking word of that yes. book. It was the most brilliant novel I have read in years. She said the same thing. I loved every single sentence. I never wanted it to end. But that's what she gets. She completely nails that 20-something friendship, what that feels like, to be carried away on the beauty of someone else who is your comrade at that moment in your life. It was incredible. And it falling apart. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, the devastation of that, because it's just the relationships that we've talked about this, I think last week on the show, it's the relationships that can't time travel. And that's what I Mm -hmm. think Kim was saying. Like, that's the surprise. It's, it's a, it's a fucking, it's a shock because you can't imagine that that, that would ever go away, but they're, they're, they're too much like relationships. You know, they're just, they're, they're too, it's, they're too romantic in a way to last. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, you, you're going to, die. You will love this. Yeah. yeah I've read, I've, I've, I'm about a third of the way through and I think it's amazing. It's, I think yeah. it's just amazing. So, um, yeah. she worked at CMJ, by the way, that's, that's where she's from. Our friend Renee texted me this week. Oh, because we're, I was like, I can't even look her up because I'm too mad because the book is too perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't know anything more about her. Like, I'll just, I can't have like a weird relationship with this person who wrote this brilliant book. Um, Lori, so um, here's another question for you. What is your favorite part of getting older? Come on, there's got to be. <laughs> I love you for doing that, Lori. She just stuck her tongue out at I us. I really don't know how to answer this. Okay, um, let's go to least favorite. Is it wait? Is it the wisdom? <laughs> is it the not giving you a see shit? My eyes rolling. Oh, I, I give um, no fucks now. It's such lies. <laughs> But you do give, um, but you do give fucks about different things. Fair enough. You don't, but I don't give any fewer fucks. I'm as neurotic as I ever was. Like, <laughs> no, I, 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 I know you. You said that in that oldster questionnaire, and I thought what the what you said about that was really brilliant. Um, I really can't. I'm Go ahead. Just, okay, what do you hate like the most ashamed? about it? I do not. <laughs> um, you know, I'm. I hate some of the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. I hate that my hair is a texture that I don't recognize. Just to be totally vain and superficial. Oh, we talk about um, hair all the time on this. Every yeah. week. Um, that really, that's upsetting. The fact that like, I can't just like go out and just like run if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like be, you know, my physical limitations feel like they get more and more kind of confounding day by day. You know, I try not to have a lot of regret, but I do, I hate that I didn't do more traveling when I was younger. I was so focused on my career from like the get-go that like, I didn't know the wealth of what time meant when I was younger. Mm, And I wished, I really wish, I felt time starved from the minute I started my career. And that was like a real, I wish someone had pointed me in a different direction and said, you can get off this train for a little while and do something, you know, 
that's not for your career and it's going to be okay. And I just always felt that climbing, you know, Jen, you've talked about this. I had to climb and then I had to climb some more and then I had to climb some more and then I've had to climb some more and that any deviation from that was going to, was going to be catastrophic for my career. Yeah. They'll take it all away. We also worked in a field, all three of us, where the work became a big part of our identities, where the line between work and play was very thin, sometimes non-existent. And all of that is a factor too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this leads me to another question though. So what's your relationship with ambition now? Like, what is it? Different, very different. Um, In so far as I think even though, you know, I have a really high profile, high pressure job, I am much, I have much more boundaries around my work than I, than I've ever had before. Um, and part of that has to do with age. Like I simply can't go, go, go the way that I used to. And I need downtime and my work suffers if I don't have that. So that's something I've learned with age for sure. And I really, I mean, I think that a lot of the work that I've done over the course of my career has in ways that may not seem obvious have felt mission driven to me. So like, you know, being a voice in the media, particularly when I was in women's media, that was a little bit different or a little bit more political or what have you, like I've always had sort of my own goals and missions within. And I feel what's really nice right now is that my personal mission about getting people great information is aligned with what the well desk does because of that, because it's so seamless. I don't feel the same need to keep climbing. If that makes makes sense, I feel very comfortable where I am. And I also am very aware of what I don't know at this point. And so I feel, I feel very curious still. And that's very different than being overly ambitious. Yeah. Um, yes. It has a very different tenor and it feels, it makes me feel open rather than kind of like laser focused and, and hardened. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is such a, God, I've been thinking about ambition for like the last five years. That was I such know. a beautiful way to put it. Wow. Yeah. Really. Um, what do you still want to do? I mean, you know, I would have, you know, I would have said a book, you know, I've been saying that in my head for 20 yeah. years, although I'm not sure I even need to do that anymore. Who cares? Ew. Um, uh, books are for yes, suckers. They're really for just, <laughs> yeah. given your experience, I'm just not sure. I wanna... Don't do it. Just <laughs> no, your book is going to be amazing. Uh, whatever. Who cares? Your book is gonna be it doesn't amazing, matter. It, it almost killed me. It's like, like don't, don't. I mean, some people yeah. are built for yeah. it. If you're neurotic, like, fuck it, man. Anyway, but no. no, believe me, one of the, one of the most free moments of my life was when I wrote my, my check, you send back my book yeah. advance. And, yeah, and decided not to do that book. It was the best feeling for three years. I had been telling myself I had to write this book that I fundamentally did not want to write. Well, all jokes, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, what it is, is as time is feeling increasingly like, oh my God, time, time is so valuable. Where I, I'm, I'm this year just passed so fast. The amount of time a book takes and because yeah. it's not lucrative enough for it to be the only thing you do for, for some people, for me, it Mm -hmm. means that it is just bleeding into every area of your life and taking over things. And it has been, that has been the biggest discomfort for me because 
it's taking away from my time with my child, from my time with my friends, from right. my time for myself. And I don't right. have that same drive to be like, oh, work should flood every space of my life anymore. Right. So that's what that's what the book is. And like, you know, everyone's like, I'm gonna write a novel in my 50s. I'm like, oh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> fuck it. Like, I don't know. Wouldn't you rather be outside on a walk? I don't like like eating yes, some cheese. I don't, you know, like <laughs> can you still eat cheese? Yeah. Here and there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, Lori, thank you so much for taking time out that to talk to us. Cute. You're the best. Yeah, this was great. I love hanging out with you guys. It was great. And where can people find you? Wait, where can people find you, Lori? They can find well at nytimes.com backslash well, and they can find me on Instagram at Lori Lebo, L-O-R-I-L-E-I-B-O. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, Lori. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. And we also read five-star reviews sometimes on the podcast. If you want to support the production of the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We do live events there sometimes. We blog there sometimes. But mostly it's just to keep the lights on in this um, house that needs lights. Um, (laughs) If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at EIF podcast. We have a private and robust Facebook group. We are on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. You can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. The show is mixed and produced by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Thank you again, Natalie. And we will be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-